Hey, 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 everybody. Today I have for you podcast number 022. Today's podcast is titled The Distillery. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this week's edition of your weekly Limitless Life Network podcast. I'm Dr. Pete Lombardi, and this is the Limitless Life Network podcast where we flesh out the limitations that are preventing you from reaching your goals and living the life that you deserve. And this podcast is for you if you want to live a life with less limitations and more freedom with a healthier mind, body, and spirit. So, Today we have for you um, a pretty cool topic. Uh, just uh, thought this one up today. I actually spent quite a bit of time uh, dealing with some of this. Um, but the point of the podcast is always what? It's, uh, it's to help you recognize and tap into the limitless power that's available uh, for you at all times, that's at work within you at all times. And that's really um, from the Bible, Ephesians uh, 3.20, uh, now to him was able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. I mean, that's, that's really what we're getting at is that you're, this, this is a, this is a uh, supernatural power that's available to all of us at any time. Um, but we live in a world of a lot of distraction and a lot of, um, a lot of things pulling us in a lot of directions. I don't know about you, but uh, it seems to be the case with most people that I come into contact with. So <clears throat> today's topic, the distillery, I came up with this title because I just created something I'm going to give away to everybody. Um, and uh, it's called the values distillery. And basically the reason I use, I chose the word distillery is because um, when you distill something, you, you basically uh, cook it down and um, you cook it down until you get out what you're looking for, right? So um, if you think of distilling um, alcohol, I think there's a, a TV show or a series called Moonshiners and these guys are hillbillies in the Appalachians and they go out and they mix up their their mash of uh, corn or whatever and, and sugar and, and it all ferments and then they cook it in the still and uh, it evaporates and Anyway, basically what comes out is this grain alcohol and it's, uh, you know, it's what they're trying to do is produce alcohol illegally, of course. And uh, yeah, so, but the point is here, we're not trying to do something illegal. We're trying to get down and core down and pair into, um, you know, what matters most to each and every one of you. And we all have different values that, uh, that resonate uh, more than other values with somebody else. So <clears throat> it's oftentimes one of the biggest reasons why we can't agree uh, politically ever, right? Because certain people value certain things more than other people, you know, like some people value economics more than they value, um, I don't know, let's say the, the environment, you know, maybe that's a, a hot topic there, right? That we could all argue about and get all mad at each other and, and nothing happens, right? <laughs> We're not going to do that on this podcast. Instead, we're going to stay positive because, um, you know, positivity and taking positive actions every day is really a lot more beneficial. You'll have a, 
a lot more joy in your life. But uh, point number one, um, it kind of goes back to um, an idea that we talked about before on a, another episode. But uh, a very strong motivator for many people has always been, and, and we've seen it play out time and time again, fear is a huge motivator for people. So uh, our point number one is fear-based decision-making. And this is where um, off, you know, we will oftentimes have a situation where something bad happens, and then after that, all of our decisions go back to that moment in time when something bad happened, and it makes us very fearful and that's where our basis for deciding anything beyond that comes from. So let me give you an example. Say uh, you get into a car and you drive down the road and you get into a horrible car accident. You get injured and um, you know it takes a long time to recover and eventually you recover. But ever after that, you're a little leery about getting into a car and then you become more tentative. And and that's okay, right? Like that's 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 fairly normal to have be a little gun shy getting behind the wheel after after a big accident because there was danger. You experienced danger uh, in that situation, and that's different than fear. Um, danger is a, a threat, right? So now you become a more cautious driver, and and that's a good thing, right? Now now fear is something a, a little bit different, and that's where. Uh, fear, you know, the acronym is false evidence appearing real. And so it's kind of a, a story that we make up in our mind. And we see this oftentimes with senior citizens is that they become very fearful because they're starting to lose some of their faculties. They don't have their eyesight's not as good. Their hearing's not as good. Uh, their sense of balance is really not very good. So they start to be very fearful because they're thinking of the worst things. And, and it starts to trickle over into other things in life. And they become fearful for other people. And then they start to worry a lot. It's a, it's a very common trait that, I, that you see with uh, people as they age. They become more and more fearful. Um, and uh, if we're making decisions from a fear standpoint, it's really putting you on the defensive and... Um, and we see how that has some deleterious effects because when you're fearful, you stop really living life. You start to limit your options when you face things from a level of fear. Uh, when we're younger, on the other hand, we have a tendency to uh, not be fearful and oftentimes put ourselves in danger. Um, but imagine if a young kid is on the monkey bars and they fall off and break their arm like my son Luke did. And then they never ever wanted to play in a playground ever again because of the time when they were little and they broke their arm on the monkey bars. And then from then on, they didn't want to participate in anything in gym class because they were fear fearful of breaking their arm. Um, that would be a sad story because there's no reason that a child should uh, omit things from their life because they had one injury at one time and it was a freak accident, right? And thankfully, you know, Luke is the exact opposite. He's done all kinds of, uh, you know, sometimes dangerous things. My wife was telling me about his uh, recent attempt at downhill skiing and how he wasn't really that good at it. And he was going way too fast and out of control. And, uh, and, and of course he pole vault. So that's not the safest sport in the world. But uh, anyway, uh, so it hasn't stopped him at all. So fear-based decision-making. So just be aware, like 
be really conscientious. Like, are you making decisions out of fear or is it something that you're making a decision based on something that's meaningful, right? Are you using the facts or are you using fear? False evidence appearing real. So that's a story we tell ourselves that's not necessarily true. Uh, point number two is uh, values-based decision-making. And uh, so this is really kind of where the the distill idea comes out of, is that uh, we want to hone in and figure out what our core values are. And um, there's a process that you can go through, and I went through it a, a while back, and it was very helpful to me uh, because when you make your decisions in life based on what you value, uh, you're going to be spending more of your time and on things that are meaningful to you and less time on things that are not meaningful to you and maybe are maybe somebody else's ideas that are, they're trying to superimpose into your life. And we have a limited amount of time. And it's not that I'm saying never help other people out or don't ever listen to somebody else. But the point is, is that you want to spend, you want to at least the limited time you have on this earth, you want to be doing things that that have an impact and the impact that you're gifted at uh, that making. So, um, so what are our values? You can simply say that, you know, if you really want to know what you value, look where you spend your time, the most of your time, most of your money, and what are you constantly thinking about? So that's, uh, if, you, if you're constantly dreaming and thinking about something, spending time on that thing, um, and in your, your, you're spending your money on it and stuff and you're, it's probably something, it's probably something that's of value to you. Um, but then again, there are some people that have values that they are not spending their time, their money and, uh, resources and their thoughts on because they're so busy just doing things, doing things to pay the bills or to get through life. So this, uh, uh, values distillery is going to be a great tool for all of you who are listening to get a hold of, and we're going to uh, start making it available pretty soon uh, for free, uh, no charge, um, just so that you can get the opportunity to, to go through the steps like I did to really hone in on these values. Then you'll know going forward. And when it comes to making decisions, you know, I was often I was told by a, a really uh, smart man, Rick Sapio, uh, who interviewed I think twenty billionaires, which not many people get to even meet a billionaire. This guy interviewed twenty billionaires, and one of the commonalities that they all shared is that they said no way more than they said yes uh, to different opportunities. And I thought that was an interesting point because. You know, I often find my wife and myself, we oftentimes have a hard time saying no to somebody that's in need. Um, or if somebody presents us with an opportunity, I'm like, hey, you know what? That sounds good. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, I'm, I'm very positive. So I want to, I want to, you know, try everything, but you really can't, you really can't be good at everything and you can't try everything. Um, and so values-based decision-making says, hey, what are my values? Do these does does this opportunity meet any of my core values? Because if it does, then I'm going to strongly consider it. But if it doesn't meet any of my core values, then it's a pass. It's a no, thank you. It's a, that's a great idea. It's probably going to fit somebody else better, right? So it's not always a good fit for you. But you got to have some criteria to figure out when opportunities come your way. Is it really a good idea for you.
So values-based decision-making. So that's fear-based, that's values-based. And the next uh, point in the distillery has to do with one of my values, and that is um, the pursuit of health. And, uh, and if you talk to people and you ask them about the top couple things that, that, that matter to them in their life, you'll get a variety of answers. But usually their health, especially if somebody's lost health, they really value health, right? If everything's working great and you feel awesome, you don't really consider it. But boy, do you consider it when you're lo- you've lost your health. And I've met so many people over my career that have lost health and they would do just about anything to get it back as quickly as possible. So um, point number three is the word pathogenesis. And it's a mouthful. I get it. It sounds very scientific, but it's really uh, pretty simple. And um, it's the manner or path of how disease develops. Okay, that sounds familiar to most of us. And this is this is where one starts by considering disease and infirmity and then working retrospectively to determine how individuals can avoid, manage, or eliminate that disease or infirmity. So in other words, it's it's kind of like saying like, all right, let's study how man gets sick, how man loses their health, and then let's try to figure out ways to uh, recapture that or treat the disease that they've developed. Okay. So it's really kind of a, uh, I think a fear-based model because it's waiting. It's, it's almost like a wait and see, like, yeah, you're okay. Let's wait and see how sick you get before we intervene or, uh, let's try to just pick up the disease and then let's focus on the disease and not the host, right? Like, who's harboring this disease. This disease is operating inside of a human being. So um, uh, we've been treating diseases uh, for um, centuries and, um, you know, sometimes effectively, but oftentimes very poorly, especially some of the chronic diseases that we see today that are very lifestyle related. And, um, you know, that's what kills most people, uh, heart disease, cancer, lifestyle-related diseases that are not really that high in populations that don't have um, a really healthy, uh, I wouldn't say healthy, but a rich society. So, um, you know, the society that that I'm living in is a very rich society. It has been for a very long time. And as uh, as our society became uh, more and more well-to-do, our work efforts went down, our ability to consume Food went up, and uh, very easy to procure food, and um, our our amount of effort and work toward producing it went down. So our, basically, our, our level of fitness and exercise got lower and lower, and uh, our consumption of uh, processed foods and uh, and sugary foods and and stuff went higher and higher. And so our waistlines grew, and uh, we just uh, yeah, basically. Uh, lived kind of in an incongruent manner for our own physiology. And as a result, disease develops. And um, yeah, some of these diseases we have now were, you know, centuries ago only found in, in the wealthy. So uh, we experience that more and more today. So the next point is a, a, a word called salutogenesis. Salute, 
salutogenesis. And salutogenesis is uh, quite simply the birth of health. That's uh, one way to put it, the birth of health. Um, it's the study of health, uh, the origins and causes of health. It starts by considering health and looks prospectively at how to create health, how to enhance health, how to improve physical and mental and social well-being. So salutogenesis is um, it's a very um, philosophically congruent um, concept with actually chiropractic. And uh, the founder of chiropractic, Didi Palmer, uh, talked about, and he wondered, and he reasoned, and he theorized, like, how is it that one man gets sick and the other man doesn't? Like, what, what, what makes man healthy versus what makes man sick? And that's, that's kind of where everybody else was going. And, uh, you know, the end of the 18th century was everybody's really studying disease and looking at the diseases that man developed and naming them and treating them and trying to figure out ways to remedy diseases. And, and Palmer saying, like, what is it that makes man healthy? What makes man express this vibrancy of life, of life force? What's going on with this, with man's energy? Why is it one man ex exhibits uh, all this, like this energy and, and vibration of, of health and vitality, whereas the other one's energy who's sick is low? And, uh, and you can just tell the difference between a, a healthy individual and a sick individual. So uh, salutogenesis is, uh, is the, is the term that describes that. And that is, it, it almost reminds me, and that's why I brought in like fear-based decision-making, fearing sickness and disease versus salutogenesis, which is, uh, you know, not a fear-based mindset. It's really more of a values-based mindset. In other words, if you really value your health, you're going to do things that are congruent with your health. And, uh, that kind of brings us to point number five, which is um, was a, a really uh, pivotal moment to me because it really clarified some stuff when I heard this concept. And um, it was taken from some writings of Ayn Rand. And um, some people absolutely love Ayn Rand. I, I think she really described a lot of what she witnessed growing up uh, in her books. And they, they showed some really stark contrasts that that are kind of playing out today, actually. Um, so anyway, um, one of the things that she talks about in her in one of her books is contradictions leading to destruction. And that was a really kind of a theme that you pick up is that if there's contradictions going on, there's a wake of destruction that is going to be evident from those contradictions. And the level of destruction is going to be to the level of the contradictions that are at play and how long they stay that way. So uh, let's try to think of uh, some examples of this. Um, so uh, if I'm, you know, wanting to improve my health and fitness because I'm sick, um, but I'm smoking, it's kind of a contradiction. If I want to lose weight, but, you know, I don't want to give up my ice cream at night, that's a contradiction, right? Like the longer we continue to do things, you know, like if I, you know, smoking doesn't hurt, especially the first few cigarettes, the, the next couple packs, you know, a, a year of smoking, like you don't really feel awful or terrible. I mean, smokers do it because they find some joy and some relaxation with that. 
but it's the compounding effect of it. Everyone is is just making things worse and worse as far as your health goes. And we know that over time, it's eventually going to rear its ugly head some way, somehow, whether it's emphysema or whether it's, um, you know, lung cancer um, or just chronic lung infections. Who knows what it's going to lead to, but um, we know it's going to lead to some type of destruction because it's a contradiction to how the body works. The body wasn't designed to breathe smoke. It was designed to breathe clean oxygen. That's the contradiction. The reality is you're meant to run on oxygen. Your brain needs oxygen and glucose, right? Okay. So um, the opposite of contradiction, I think this is, this is what I, I really, really love here. Um, it's like, okay, we can understand contradiction, but what's the opposite? The opposite, I, 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 put down a few words here for a few uh, ideas. One is agreement, right? So if things are in a, an agreement, everybody likes that. And if you think about a conversation with somebody, it's very easy to carry on a conversation with somebody when you are in agreement. As soon as you start to disagree with somebody, immediately you start to pull away. You start to withdraw from the conversation. So if you're listening to the podcast and I say something that you totally disagree with, you're going to probably just like stop watching. But if you find this engaging and you in, you're in agreement with it, you'll continue to watch, right? So that's agreement is the opposite of contradiction. Accord, being of one accord, right? That's that's like agreement as well. Concession, right? You make con, your concession is like your um uh I guess coming to grips with each other's reality, right? So uh, you're, it's almost not conceding, but there's a concession. The consensus is, right? Uh, consistency, harmony. When things are in harmony, do they work better or do they work worse? Of course they work better, right? We love it when things are in harmony. It's so much easier when things are in harmony. And that's how we're meant to live. We're meant to live in harmony with nature. We're meant to live in harmony with each other. Right. So that's why when you're in a relationship with somebody, if there's harmony, it's a very easy relationship. There's no stress whatsoever because you're in agreement on things and you approve. That's another word, approval. You accept your acceptance of their, their, who they are or, or what they're doing. Right. So acceptance is another word. Approval is another word. Concurrence, concurrence. You know, you both concur. Right. It's everything is in alignment, um, corroboration, right? So, or collaboration, right? When you come together with multiple ideas that can, that can lift both sides up. Wow. Things working together synergistically, right? Likeness. And that's another word that is the opposite of a contradiction. So, um, that's something that if you can be mindful of in your own life and do, um, uh, some housekeeping there just to just like say, hey, I'm going to look introspectively. Are there any contradictions in my life? Is there something that I'm doing, thinking, whatever it might be that is not in harmony with how my body's designed to work, um, with how I'm supposed to be getting along with people? Like if you're having if you're having issues with uh, an individual or, or a family member or something, if there's a lack of harmony there, there's probably some contradictions. There's probably things that you're not in agreement on. And the best way to solve those things is to dial it back to what you do agree on. 
right? So what is, what is something you can share reality on? Sometimes it's just as simple as saying, you know what? Uh, we both like watching NFL football, you know, or maybe we both like to go for walks. Let's leave it at that. Or maybe, you know what? I like the fact that, you know, you say nice things to my family members, whatever it might be. So try to find some common ground and, uh, you know, let's, let's work forward from there. That always seems to work really good. But anyway, those are, those are five points tonight. They're, uh, they're somewhat all related. And it has to really dial into distilling down, you know, the essence of, of, a, of a life that is going to be lived with harmony and, um, and hopefully give you uh, a lot more joy, a lot more peace, and a lot more freedom. So that's all I have for this week's edition of your weekly Limitless Life Network podcast. Um, stay tuned in each and every week uh, to be inspired, stay connected, and keep stripping away all of your limitations. So look forward to seeing you. Uh, back on the podcast again, or I hope you listen. All right. So have a great one.